This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good morning. Welcome to Resource Centre. This is Audrey Raj. Now, as we continue to transition into endemicity, one thing we're beginning to realise is that the Great Resignation, it's here to stay. Despite the unique challenges every nation is facing through this recovery period, CEOs are continuing to rank labour and skills shortage as the number one external issue they expect to influence or disrupt their business strategy in the next 12 months. Whether it's driven by a wave of restlessness or fresh opportunities, workers everywhere are leaving or are considering leaving their current position. And according to our friends from Deloitte, all roads are pointing to a need to reimagine work as we know it. But how do we do this and where do we begin? Well, to answer these questions and to give us more insights into recent human capital trends, I have online with me today Lee Yunhan, Consulting Director of Deloitte Southeast Asia. Yunhan, welcome to Resource Centre. Yeah, thank you very much, Audrey. Pleasure to be here. Now, before we get into the whole reimagining work, uh, reimagining the workplace and the workforce, can we talk about this report that Deloitte published on um, human capital trends? You know, what did it conclude uh, about the Great Resignation? Just how bad is this rate of resignations? Yeah, sure. Uh, I, I think the report that Deloitte produces, this is something that's based on our research uh, globally every year. Uh, and we tend to publish uh, what we'll call human capital trends uh, based on the year. But because of the pandemic, uh, we took a very different approach this time uh, due to the unprecedented uh, wave uh, that has been hitting uh, the workforce uh, and also employers uh, and how they've struggled to respond to the pandemic given the challenges just economically, societally, and as well as from a health standpoint as well. So this report, when we surveyed uh, CEOs, the workforce, and also did studies across the region, uh, what are people struggling with? Uh, and the conclusion really is that you know, there, while there are common themes um, across the globe, uh, there are certain uh, unique nuances uh, in specific countries and regions that we see as well. Right? So if I can just summarize uh, overall, when we look at um, how people are being employed and how people have been participating in the labor force, uh, we do see consistency that uh, nearly you know, 2% uh, drop in global labor force participation rates uh, over the past couple of years, right, between 2019 and 2020. And the recovery, uh, we're starting to see some of that in parts of the world uh, and in Malaysia specifically, uh, we've been hit um, pretty hard. Right. Um, our unemployment rate tends to be about 3% uh, year on year, mm. uh, but it's been rising to about 45 to 4.6% uh, in 2019, 2020, 2021 as well. Uh, though we are also starting to see signs of recovery in Malaysia, uh, although it is um, uh, marginal. Uh, at this point in time, right? Um, so there are various reasons as to why people are leaving uh, and there are also certain uh, interventions or initiatives that uh, organizations and the workforce can think about uh, to overcome the challenges that they're facing these days. Hmm. Now, you know, uh, I understand this was, this report was focused on uh, human human capital trends in the region, but can you talk to us about what other markets are experiencing when it comes to labour challenges, um, especially over the course of these last two years during the pandemic? 
Yep, sure, sure. I, I think when we look at uh, one of the more extreme examples, say in in Japan, right? Um, uh, Japan has been a little bit less affected by the Great Resignation compared to other nations, right? Mm. Um, uh, and that uh, is driven largely by from a cultural standpoint and the risk aversion uh, towards shifting jobs. Uh, there's a bit of a sense of uh, the value of loyalty uh, to jobs uh, in, in Japan and also the notion of um, a workplace or a job for life, right, mm. uh, in, in Japan that we're seeing. And, and some of the societal pressures around leaving jobs um, as well, right? So uh, they've been relatively less uh, impacted, although uh, in Japan there are also uh, overarching uh, systemic issues economically uh, and from a deflationary standpoint that are also uh, discouraging people from leaving their work at this point in time. Right. Um, however, uh, when we look at um, Australia, uh, mm. for instance, uh, we do find that uh, you know, they are the most uh, productive in terms of remote workers right? Um, uh, in, in adjusting to, to the pandemic. And I think uh, many of the uh, state uh, in Australia also took um, quite a drastic lockdown uh, measure, particularly state of Victoria and Melbourne, for example. Um, having said that, uh, the studies have also shown that they are among the most burnt out uh, employees mm. Um, mm. Uh, in Australia also. Right? Uh, so so there's, there's that sense of, you know, uh, is there you know, productivity at a cost? Yeah, right, uh, yeah. of you know the long term thing right so so that's in australia coming a bit closer to to home right um, in vietnam which is also a a market that i oversee in, in deloitte and i've been there numerous times as well and speaking to the, my clients and organizations there uh, they're also facing a shortage an acute shortage of of the workforce right um, um so what has happened in in vietnam for instance a, a lot of the uh, migrant workers who have moved from rural areas uh, to the urban centers for work or to the factories or manufacturing who tend to be a bit closer to ports, to urban centers, they've moved back to the rural homes as organizations started to downsize. Um, having moved back, um, they found uh, their support structures in the rural areas and they're a bit more reluctant to move back to their jobs as usual. So you know, in spaces like manufacturing, and hospitality, tourism, uh, they're struggling to find you know, the jobs and labor um, at this point in time in, in Vietnam, right? So, so different countries are going through different um, uh, issues, right? Um, and I think Malaysia is, is also one whereby, you know, we're seeing uh, our own um, uh, you know, uh, uh, outgoing uh, foreign labor. And, and I think the government at this point in time is negotiating hard uh, for the MOUs with various governments to bring in foreign labor. And at the same time, we've increased our minimum wage uh, to 1,500 ringgit in the peninsula. Uh, so employers are also having to adjust towards you know, how to do business uh, in this current market. Mm. Now, I know that this might come across as a silly question, but why are employees continuing to leave you know initially the talk was all about flexi work you know but that can't be the only reason because even people with flexi work are i mean if i'm not mistaken they're moving too so um why why is this continuing to be the trend yeah. So employees have been leaving in droves, um, particularly during the pandemic, right? And the way I'll summarize it is such that um, uh, leaving work has been on the minds of, of many people for some time, right? Uh, in the surveys that we've done um, in our Deloitte Millennial and Gen Z survey, uh, a large proportion of them have always been saying that, you no, know, I've been, I would think of leaving my workplace and my employer in the next one to two years, right? Uh, it's not a small proportion, but 
has always consistently been a sizable uh, proportion. And when the pandemic hit, Right. Uh, that sort of just equalizes things, right? Uh, that made people reevaluate um, their choices of what they want to do uh, given their circumstances, right? So, one of the reasons often cited is, of course, money, right? Uh, plain and simple that, you know, the, um, at this point in time, um, I would have to say it's an employee's market, right? Um, uh, so, the motivation to move when employers give them um, a pay rise, and I wouldn't say it's an insignificant pay rise, it's not. You know, three, four percent. It's twenty, thirty, forty, and sometimes hundred over percent uh, to Ooh. shift jobs, right? Uh, and and that's the, the reality of which um, the employers are hungry for talent to this extent and investing in people uh, and. People, uh, employees, uh, particularly millennials, are motivated towards you know, the, uh, improving their personal wealth and pay um, uh, in a quick time uh, at this point in time, right? So, so money is of course one of the uh, the key issues that that, that I see. Uh, the other aspect is um, when we look at uh, why employees want to work for a certain employer, right? Um, so aside from money, uh, one of the key differentiators that they look for is around uh, the culture and as well as the societal impact um, of uh, what the what the job offers, right? Um, so if, if an employer pays well, they want to trade their time for something meaningful, right? Um, so do I want to be earning X amount working with a bunch of people that don't value me or working with a bunch of people that are going to improve me as a person, right? Um, or do they want to be working for an organization that is the detrimental uh, to society or do they want to be working for an organization that's actively improving the conditions of the communities and the society around them? Uh, and they're looking at that more than just CSR, right? Um, I think it's uh, uh, no open secret that CSR tends to be a tick-the-box exercise, but they're looking at organizations that that truly uh, are aiming to make a difference in the whole way that they are set up, in the whole mission of how they make profit is to generate profit through adding value to society in a sustainable way, right? Um, um, we, you talked about flexibility, and I think that uh, that definitely is one of the reasons as to why people are shifting jobs uh, what we saw, and also in Malaysia as well, that when employers started to uh, call people back uh, mm. to the to the office, right, um, the backlash was immediate. Right? Um, uh, there, there were many large organizations, I won't name which ones, but you know, this came out in many of the newspapers as well, whereby some of the large, you know, corporates and MNCs, GLCs said, okay, you know, from this date on, onwards, I want 100% of the people back at, at the workplace, right? Uh, and you'd see on social media, on LinkedIn, on Glassdoor, on, on every conceivable social media that people were saying that, nope, no, that this is the, the last straw, I'm leaving, right? Um, and many of these organizations had to then backpedal right, mm. uh, and say that, okay, you know, the, uh, maybe not 100%, but 50% or maybe you know, three days in the office, two days flexibility, and there's some compromise uh, in between. right? And this demand for, for flexibility is, is not something new. Uh, the workers, uh, and, and also in Malaysia, I've been uh, in the past doing work for organizations uh, and some of the, uh, the government agencies around promoting flexible working arrangements uh, in Malaysia. Uh, this has been something that... Um, the different parts of the workforce have been asking for a long, long time, right? Um, whether you talk about Malaysian mothers, right? Or whether you talk about, you know, some of the working families, whether you talk about those with dependents, workers value flexibility, full stop. 
right? That, that there's no 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 two ways about that, and they want to have that ability to choose uh, when and where uh, and how they want to to work um, as, as something that's important for them, right? And maybe the last thing that I would or the last reason that I would um, emphasize is around um, work-life balance, right? Um, um, and I say work-life balance not as a um, the, from the traditional standpoint of oh okay you know the uh, a certain number of hours uh, to work and some well-being and wellness programs as such the pandemic what it has done it, it has caused a lot of the workforce to reevaluate what's truly important to them right and if you think about it in, in terms of the numbers half a billion uh, covid cases globally six million deaths globally right uh, and many of them also in malaysia right um uh we all have someone uh, you know, immediate, or at least we know someone close to us who have lost a loved one as part of the pandemic through various reasons. And, and this has, for the, and, and rightfully as well, right, uh, you know, caused people to think about, you know, how do I want to spend the rest of my life? How do I want to spend my waking hours, right? You know, and, and, and taking this opportunity to refocus on family, uh, refocus on priorities that are important to them, to slow down and, and, and also to look at uh, the level of connectedness that they want uh, in their work. Right? So these are <coughs> the, the reasons that we see uh, employees uh, leaving the workforce, right? uh, not leaving the workforce, leaving their employers at this point in time. Right. Okay, so now we know the why. Let's move on to the solutions. But before that, a quick break for some messages. Resource Centre with Lee Yun Han from Deloitte, Southeast Asia. We'll be right back. BFM 89.9. Boring, fake, macho. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. You are listening to Resource Centre. This is Audrey Raj. Online with me today, I have Lee Yun Han, Consulting Director of Deloitte Southeast Asia. And we're talking about why the great resignation just won't go away and what organisations can do about it by reimagining work, the workplace and the workforce. Now, um... Yunhan, I'm just going to put it simply. Um, how how do we even get started reimagining work? Um, you know, how should organisations think about reimagining work? And why is this the solution? <laughs> the, the thinking is the easy part, right? Uh, and I'll, I'll come to in, into a place as to why is that the solution shortly, right? So the thinking is the easy part. The willpower is another thing. Mm. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's uh, I think organizations uh, in Malaysia need to take proactive steps, right, uh, in addressing this uh, challenge, right? Because uh, Malaysia, uh, we are in a unique uh, you know, uh, value proposition where we have an abundance of talent, right, uh, in, in terms of the workforce and how fungible uh, they are across the region. There are pros and cons because if they're very fungible across the region, uh, employers, in other countries are more than happy to, to hire our talented Malaysians, right? So if Malaysian corporates do not wake up and take proactive steps to retain their talent and to attract talent into Malaysia, uh, we would be left behind uh, mm. from our neighbours for sure, right? So the willpower to act, uh, that is the, the first and foremost thing to, to realise that this is not business as usual and to realise that if we don't act now in tangible and bold ways, we will be left behind. Right? So that's the willpower part. 
Now, uh, why is this the solution or, or why in terms of the thinking is that um, the way that we've structured work right, uh, has been fairly traditional. And you think about uh, in the past of which um, you know, we went through the industrial revolution, we went through the scientific method of management, we went through all this balanced scorecard, KPIs, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Um, that is uh, very much reflecting a workplace and the work that uh, today is fast being taken over by technology. Right. So therefore, if we do not uh, redefine or reimagine uh, how work is done, uh, the people that we use to do that work, and as well as how an environment in which they do that work, um, you're going to be stuck with a workforce that is either low skilled, mid skilled, or something that's going to be taken over by, by robots, by artificial intelligence, or by technology very, very soon. Right? So now we're going to get into to the areas of you know the why or, or the solution right uh, around reimagining the work itself. Uh, strategies to look at uh, how to re-energize the workforce, the people in mm. there, uh, and also reinventing the workplace um, uh, in, in which these are the environments that people then would work in. Right. So these are the three dimensions uh, that, uh, that we look at as a solution. So. Uh, let's talk about the, the work, right? Uh, if you think about a job, right? So Audrey, you have a job, right? Uh, myself, I have a job uh, doing things, right? That we have to re refocus or reimagining how, uh, what the job actually entails, right? Um, and I tend to to talk about jobs uh, in two broad categories of what I believe are very, you know, uh, sustainable um, aspects of skills or jobs uh, that would remain relevant um, uh, in the time to come, or at least in our lifetimes, right? So if there are jobs that are centered around technology, right? So and that's the first bucket, uh, that's something that uh, would continue to be relevant um, in the time to come, right? Uh, whether you're involved in the infrastructure of technology, whether you're involved in the app development of technology, whether you're involved in coming up with new uh, IP around technology, uh, that's going to be something that uh, would be sustainable for the time to come. Right. The second bucket uh, is around uh, the human aspect of jobs, right? The humanities aspect of it. So you, if you're in jobs that involve interpreting, dealing with humans, right? Or solving for human problems, right? And that can, could be a sales job. It could be a marketing job. It could be the job that I do. It could be someone that's involved in leadership, for example. Jobs that deal with fundamentally human issues would still continue to be relevant for, for the time to come, right? Mm. So with these two uh, things in mind, right? Uh, when we look at uh, how to refocus uh, or reinvent the jobs, uh, a lot of organizations tend to focus on outputs, right? Like how many customers have you interacted with, right? How much sales have you done and so on and so forth. But what are the outcomes that we want at the end of the day? We want customers to be satisfied. We want customers to come back, right? We want customers to, to continue to advocate uh, for my brand, for my organization, for my products, right? So why aren't we refocusing the jobs to then look at achieving those outcomes rather than tick the box of, okay, no, here's X amount of output that, that I can generate, right? So similarly with uh, the example that I gave earlier with you know, Australian workers being very productive, mm. um, if we are very focused on just activities, right? Uh, they're, yeah, they're achieving a lot of time spent in meetings, right? Uh, the number of Zoom calls or Teams calls that people join, yeah, you know, it could be eight calls a day, 20 calls a day, some of the extremes that I've heard. You can call that productive, sure, but are they achieving the 
the right outcomes uh, mm. at the end of the day, right? As to why are we having so many meetings in the first place, right? The other aspect of reimagining the work is around un- eliminating unnecessary tasks, right? Uh, an example I'll give here is when it comes to reporting, for instance. Now, organizations spend a lot of time generating reports. There are teams of people dedicated to just churning out daily, weekly, monthly, or hourly reports, right? Don't and envy I think them. you know you don't envy them. And I think you know <laughs> even in, in organizations like you know, Deloitte, like BFM, we're also guilty of that, whereby you know that uh, management is always demanding for this report, that report, and so, yep. and so forth. Right. Um, having said that, a lot of the reporting can be automated. Like a lot of the the number crunching, data gathering, you no, know, the you know, report generation can be automated, right? So we should be having these people focusing their time on making sense of the outputs of the report in advising management in terms of what to do, versus just you know number crunching and, and data crunching, right? Same thing with the compliance work, right? So that we should rethink the work that can we get some of these tasks to be done by technology uh, versus valuable time of a human being to just you know go through excel line by line of what a, a robot could do as well right uh, so that's essentially um, in a nutshell reimagining the work itself how can we eliminate unnecessary tasks that we don't need a human to do and how do we fo- refocus on outcomes and therefore work backwards towards what activities that needs to be done versus from the bottoms up i need this job to do x amount of activities and mm-hmm. outputs and hopefully it will achieve the outcome see? right um, shall we move on to re-energizing the workforce? Now, I, why is there a need to re-energize the workforce? Is that the pain point there? Oh, oh definitely, definitely. We, we can't reimagine the workforce because humans are still humans, right? <laughs> so we, we have not changed um, as you know, biologically and so on. So we're still the same uh, human being fundamentally, right? Now, the environment of which that we work has changed. So right. people have choices today uh, that our parents' generation did not have, our grandparents' generation did not have. We have to recognize that, right? Uh, so we, we must know that people, when employees have choices, today on how they want to spend their time, how they want to work, uh, how they want to start up their own business. Uh, employers have to invest in re-energizing them uh, in ways that uh, they have not done before right? in order to retain talent. So <clears throat> one of the, the first examples that I'll give right, uh, is that uh, ex- organizations today have their existing workforce. right? How are they valuing the existing people? How are they creating new opportunities for the existing people, right? Uh, we, we see with a great resignation, people moving about a lot. And we would have uh, you know, a sense of inequity uh, in, in organizations whereby the existing people would say, hey, you know, uh, why am I still doing this job? And why am I still at this level? Why am I still being paid this much when you're hiring new people in, essentially doing the same job for better pay? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so pay compression uh, is a real issue that uh, organizations are facing today. Uh, and they have to look at how are we valuing and creating new opportunities uh, for existing workers uh, today. So some uh, organizations in other countries have taken a very bold step to say that, okay, if I'm hiring a new person in uh, today to perform the same job at a 20% higher pay, it's only right that I bump everyone up 20% uh, to do that. 
right? Um, in all fairness, right? If not, they're going to suffer in the longer term to say that, no, if this job is valued at 20% more today, why aren't I paying market rate uh, for this kind of work uh, that's being done today, right? So creating new opportunities for people and valuing opportunities for, for their workforce is, is one area to re-energize them, right? The second way is around breaking the conventions of where you look for talent, Right? Mm. So if let's say, you know, in, in the insurance industry, you know, do I need to look for people in the same industry to replenish the workforce that I have, right? Um, the fact is people are leaving industries as well. Yeah. So if you're looking in the same pool of talent for, you know, the same kind of work, you're going to run out of people very, very quickly. So in Hong Kong, uh, they've actually, uh, uh, the insurance industry in Hong Kong has looked at uh, recruiting flight attendants as insurance agents, right? Interesting. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it, it's quite interesting because they've got similar skill sets in terms of customer service uh, within the airline industry. They also sell uh, their own products, you know, cross-sell to upsell, and then they know very well uh, uh, what uh, you know, are the, some of you know, the, the challenges that their customers would face because you know, uh, they also talk about travel insurance and you know, it's easy to also talk about uh, insurance in a different context as well. So they've seen very positive uh, output uh, around uh, and outcomes around increased sales in insurance policies by uh, diversifying their workforce as well. Right? So organizations do need to take a bit of risk right, uh, and look at talent uh, in different places compared to what they are used to. Right? And, and perhaps the, the last one that, that <clears throat> I would uh, also emphasize, which is one thing that I think is quite pertinent in Malaysia, right, uh, is around how do we leverage the ecosystem uh, of the workforce to get the right skills at the right time. And we still struggle with this, right? Uh, and to me, it's it's not a difficult problem to solve, right? Uh, but the example I'll give is this. When we want to hire gig workers in Malaysia, right, it then becomes a debate between the procurement department and the HR department. Right? Because then, oh, is this gig worker a workforce? Or is this gig worker a vendor providing services? Right, right? Right. To me, at the end of the day, it's still the same outcome, right? You're getting a scalable workforce to do work uh, for the organization. Why are we debating on semantics? Uh, and that's something whereby, you know, in order to, to re-energize the workforce, to leverage on the ecosystems and beyond this, to be flexible uh, in where you get uh, your workforce from and how you leverage your existing people as well as people um, outside the organization to do great work uh, together. Right? So, so that's really about, you know, the, the strategies of leveraging on, on people more broadly than what they used to think of before. And finally, what can organizations do to reinvent the workplace? We are looking at uh, organizations that are combining uh, virtual as well as physical offices mm-hmm. uh, and and calling it a digital uh, <laughs> workplace, right? That's kind of like the the, the buzzword, whether I like it or not. That's a different thing. You know, there there are there is a need to look at. You know, are we uh, configuring uh, our workplace as something that people want to come back to? Because right? if people find that their homes are more conducive there. Uh, to work, there's something wrong with your physical workplace in the office that people find is not productive. Right? So, so yeah. that's where if we co-create the office space with the workers, right? So, what do they want, right? So, some of them may say that, uh, no, at at home, you know, I you know have to pay for my own broadband, I have to pay for my facilities. Can the office invest in my home office, right? 
And some organizations have done that by giving a budget uh, for the employee to say, okay, you know, you've got 10,000 ringgit, 20,000 ringgit, right? Because that's the amount that I would spend per headcount in office. You take that money and then you reinvent your own workspace at home with bigger monitors, faster broadband, right? More ergonomic equipment to feel better, right? Others would say that, okay, you know, I, I want more uh, space to collaborate uh, in office. There's just a shortage of meeting rooms and fine. We would then tear down uh, our cubicles, right? Where people just work in office. I'll tear, we'll tear down the, the bosses' rooms that you know, are hardly occupied because bosses are always out of, of the office. Convert that to collaborative meeting spaces, right? And we imagine that to, to level set uh, how people come to the office and collaborate and meet and network and build relationships. Uh, and that's you know, changing uh, up uh, the, how the workplace is done uh, physically, right? Um, now on the digital front, right, there are also, there's also a real need to uh, allow for inclusive hybrid working. Right? Mm. Um, and it is something of a challenge, but uh, what companies are starting to do is to reconfigure their physical meeting spaces and virtual meeting rooms uh, in a way that is more inclusive. Right? Um, because it's very easy to ignore someone that's dialing in from a from a phone yeah. that's you know, in there and, and have everybody else physically and just talking over these kind of people versus having them present on big uh, screens that you can then see them that they are still there they're engaged right and they're also uh, talking to and you don't forget that you know we've also yeah. got people virtually on, on the call right so the guidelines the etiquette and the infrastructure to support that are things that uh, is worthwhile to invest in uh, because the remote work hybrid work uh, is here to stay i don't think it's something that's going to go away and employers that have uh, being able to adjust to that, find that they have a much better value proposition of attracting people to work versus those who say that, nope, nine to five, you need to be in office, clock in, clock out, right? I, I think those things are, are way past us already. Right. So I guess uh, by the sound of it, organizations really have their work cut out for them, uh, Yunhan, you know, from trying to shift the emphasis away from output to outcome when reimagining uh, work. And then you've got to think about how you're compensating your employees, your your talent acquisition process, as well as uh, growth opportunities for existing employees, you know, when you think about recharging the workforce. And then, of course, you know, how to find that balance uh, with digital and physical, digital. I'm not a fan of that word either. You know, uh, but where can they begin? Where can organizations begin? What should the first step be? I, I would summarize it this way that you know, it's tempting to think of, you know, this pandemic and this situation as a, a, a zero-sum game. Or as a trade-off, and what I mean is this: that uh, some organizations would say that okay, you know, we we need to uh, preserve the long term. Therefore, you know, we we stick to our guns. Right? We don't do anything because we think that the world is going to go back to where it was before. Right? Um, but that's also a fallacy because you know th I, things have changed. I believe permanently uh, in how work is done and how competitors have responded and how the workforce is also expecting differently. So status quo is definitely not an option and neither is taking a short-term view 
to it, right? Uh, you, you cannot just say, okay, uh, in order to replace the people that have left us, I'm going to uh, pay them like double or triple just to, to expect them, right? Your business model has not changed uh, in, and your existing workforce is going to say that I got the raw end of the stick, right? Mm. Very, very quickly, right? Um, so I, I believe that uh, it is a, a step that people need to take um, insofar as the work is concerned, right? Because you've got people already today doing work for you. Uh, you have to engage with them. You have to speak to them. You have to treat them as human beings, right? To say, okay, you know, is this work meaningful, right? Is there a way that we can improve things around here? If you speak to them, they have solutions on the ground, right? That, you know, hey, you know, there, there are better ways to process this, uh, you know, uh, handling. That there, there are better ways to, to engage these customers. There are new technologies that we should invest in. There's tons of ideas in your organization today. Speak to them, engage with them. And once you've got that, and once you've got them owning and contributing to the solution, put your money where your mouth is, mm. right? Invest, right? These things don't come free. It's not something that drops from the sky that people imagine. You have to invest for the future. There's no doubt about it. Whether it's investing in skills, whether it's investing in people, whether it's investing in restructuring, you have to get ahead of the curve. And I'm not saying this just from the perspective of the local market. I'm saying this from my perspective of in the region, that is what our neighbors are doing. Mm. Right? This is what Indonesia is doing. This is what Vietnam is doing. This is what the Philippines are doing. The market is beyond just Malaysia, right? And our talent, we are competing for talent beyond just our shores. We are losing people overseas, right? And that is the mindset that uh, we need to have in order to overcome this. If not, we're just kidding ourselves to say that, oh, you know, it's just uh, a Malaysia problem. It's not. Right? So so that's the few steps that we all need to take uh, uh, very, very quickly. Right. Yunhan, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Uh, I've been speaking with Lee Yunhan, Consulting Director of, of Deloitte Southeast Asia. If you missed out on any part of this show, you can go look for the podcast on our website, that's bfm.my. You can also find all our podcasts on the brand new BFM app that's available on the Apple App Store and Google Play. My name is Audrey Raj and on behalf of Yunhan from Deloitte Southeast Asia, thank you for joining us on Resource Centre, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.